Chapter 28 Recheck The following day dawned bright and crisp. After breakfast, Katie and Renee headed to the stable and noticed the snow level was receding up the hills. Hearing hoofbeats, they looked up to see a man cantering a horse up the valley toward the barn. Who's that guy, Renee? Katie asked. I don't know, Katie, Renee replied as he waved at the man, but it means the road must be open. The man didn't notice them, or if he did, he ignored them and continued towards the barn at a fast pace. Dismounting in front of the entrance, he led the horse inside. A few minutes later, the fellow emerged with Sadat and headed their way. What is it, Sadat? Katie asked. It's a message for Mudad from Joseph, your high priest in Nineveh. Do you want me to follow you? she asked. Sadat shook his head. No, my goddess. His message is for Mudad. Well, I'll be in the barn, Sadat, Katie replied. As it continued toward the barn, the noise of the horses made Katie smile. Good morning, Toma, she said when he emerged from one stall. Can you find me a long rope and a flexible pole? She spread her arms apart to show him the length she needed. What are you going to do? Renee asked her. I want to see how our horses work on the lunge line. If we are going riding, I need to know how familiar the horses are with ground directions. But you're still healing. You can't go horse riding, Katie, Renee admonished. I'm not talking about today or even tomorrow, but I've got to do something besides sit in the temple. So let's see how well these horses respond to cues, Renee. I need your help to test them, okay? Go get Jerry for me, please. Renee nodded and headed down the barn aisle. Toma returned with a long rope and a flexible pole. Let's go over there, Katie said, when Renee returned leading the horse. She pointed to a cleared flat area that measured about 50 by 50 feet. She took the lead and walked Jerry to the edge of the field. Hand me the rope, please, Toma, Katie said. She undid the lead rope from under the horse's halter and attached the longer line to it, holding him close until the horse knew to be still. Then she unwound the line as she walked to the center, stopped, and turned to face Jerry. With the rope in her left hand, she snapped the cord and clicked at the horse, but Jerry ignored her. Ha! she yelled at him as she gathered the rope to pull him closer. She snapped the line again and yelled, but the horse didn't respond. Please, bring me the pole, Toma, Katie said. Toma jogged to the center of the field, offering the whip to his goddess. Thank you, she said as she grasped the pole. But now she had a problem. Her left arm was still not strong enough to lift and maneuver the pole. I can't do this yet, Toma. Can you help me? What are you trying to do? I want to make him run in a circle when I click to him, but I can't lift this thing high enough. Can you take over this drill? Certainly, Toma replied, grabbing both the rope and the whip. Katie was pleased he understood her request. She left him in the center of the ring and walked over to Renee. They watched Toma click the horse, snapping the rope, just as she had. The horse remained still. Toma gathered excess line in his hand and positioned himself nearer. He repeated the snap and click, then used the whip to tap the horse's butt. That was all Jerry needed to remember his training. The horse moved off smartly, circling in wider, clockwise arcs as Toma let out the rope. Every time the horse slowed, Toma shook the whip at him, and Jerry picked up his pace again. Okay, that's good, Toma, Katie yelled after a few minutes of trotting. Turn him and lunge him in the other direction. Whoa, Toma yelled as he slackened the rope and held the whip in front of the horse. He changed the whip to his right hand and cued the horse to trot in the opposite direction. He looked sound. I see no limping in either direction, Katie said. Good work, Toma. 
Thomas smiled at her praise and waited as Katie came up to the horse and patted his neck. Good boy, Jerry. Toma, take him back and bring out the bay. That's Casey, right, Renee? Mm-hmm. But why do you want Casey next? Let's keep the pairs together. We will, but I want to recheck Casey's sore leg to see if it still hurts him. His lameness will be improved if it is a mild bruise. Otherwise, it becomes something that needs attention. A stable hand brought Casey to Toma and took Jerry away. Toma began to lunge the second horse. Katie stayed near Renee to watch the exercise as the horse circled. After a few rounds, Katie yelled, Toma, turn the horse. Have him move in the other direction. I don't see him limping, do you? Renee asked. No, I don't, which means he's no longer sore. That's good, Toma, Katie said. Let's look at the next horse. What's his name, Renee? His name is Tom. A crowd of men gathered during the lunging session, curious to see how Ishtar handled horses. The low murmur of conversation became lively chatter. But the talking quieted as Sitri broke through the circle and walked to Ishtar and Renee. Good day, Lady Ishtar, Queen of Lalish, Nineveh, and Erbil, Sitri bowed. Katie nodded her head. Good morning, Sitri. She smiled, motioning her closer. Katie wanted to develop a relationship with this girl, to get a better feeling for the politics between the fair-skinned Yasidi and their darker Mitanni rulers. She knew she didn't have the whole story, and she wondered why Mudad became nervous when Uni and Sitri appeared. Favoring horse people over royalty, Katie resolved to develop a friendship with Toma and Sitri. I must figure a way to secure my place, Katie thought. I don't think Mudad has any influence in politics. I know I'm accepted by the Yazidi, but I have to convince others to need Renee and me, otherwise we're screwed. We will be forgotten and discarded, or worse. Shaking the thought from her head, she called to Toma again. Toma, can you bring Tom this way, please? Thank you, she said when he handed her the lead rope. Citri, can you help? Katie extended the line to her. Citri nodded, accepted the rope, and smiled as she walked to the center of the arena and faced the horse. Katie knew at once her instincts were right. The love of horses is a powerful bond, and Citri obviously shared that love with her. When Citri finished running Ben through his move, she stopped and pulled the rope. Whoa, she called. Toma walked to her to gather the line, and Katie followed. Can you take him back to his stall, Toma? she asked, before turning to the young horsewoman. Nicely done, Citri. Come, take a walk with me. Citri, beaming from the accolade, nodded. As the two young women started toward the temple, Renee yelled from behind, Hey, where are you guys going? Can I come? Sure, Renee, Katie said. We're just talking horses. She turned again to Citri. Who is in charge of training your horses? Citri's face lit up as her smile grew. My father, Kikuli. He raises horses outside of Nuzi, a town four days south of Nineveh. Nuzi is King Toshwada's eastern horse center. Are there other centers? Katie asked, pleasantly surprised. There is one other, Katna. It is far to the west, across the Euphrates, almost to the ocean, between Ebla and Kadesh. King Tushrata's brother, Artatama, oversees that part of the kingdom. Katie stopped walking. You mentioned Ebla, Citri. I've been there myself. I stayed in Ishtarsela. She was excited to realize such coincidental commonality across so much space and time. Citri didn't feel the same about the statistical awesomeness. Oh, I didn't know, she said. I was with Toma and Nuzi working the horses with father. I'm the only woman allowed near the horses. Oh, now it makes sense, Katie said. 
Toma had a heart attack when he found me in the horse stall. I told him to leave me alone. Citri laughed. Katie resumed her thoughts. And the chariots, where are they built? In the same places, Nuzi and Kotna. What are you guys talking about? Rene asked as he caught up to his favorite ladies. They continued walking with Citri in the middle. Tushwada's horses and chariots come from two places, Rene. Kotna, near Evla, and Nuzi, south of here, right, Citri? Citri nodded. As the three of them continued up the hill, Katie noticed Citri and Rene were walking very close to each other, and they weren't listening to her anymore. She stopped talking and allowed their youthful chatter to go where it may. This romantic development could be helpful for them. They were halfway to the temple when Nabil came running toward them. Ishtar, he said tensely, Mudad needs your help. Please, come with me. Yes, of course, Katie said. The happy couple didn't even notice as she left them and followed Nabil into the temple complex. End of chapter. Thank you for listening. You can follow the story on my blog, jeadvm.com. Once on my blog's front page, go to the menu, pick My Books, and select Katie Becomes Ishtar. That'll take you to the Ancient Katie series of books. Inconvenient Goddess can be purchased as an old-fashioned paper book or an e-book, as well as an audiobook set, or can be downloaded from the audiobook site Spotify. More details are on my website, jeadvm.com.